right back where I started again I'm trying to forget you was just a waste of time Baby, come back Any kind of fool could see There was something in everything about you Great googly moogly here we are yet again. It is the Living Water Boys, as always, brought to you weekly on Friday afternoons throughout the fall. We have reached the end of another great college football season. Hope you've enjoyed our picks and predictions throughout the fall as we have been on fire talking about which teams are going to pull the upsets every weekend. McBrien, you're up in A-Town, Alexandria, Virginia. Tell us what's going on in the nation's capital. Well, before I do that, uh, I feel like I should mention, yes, Reverend Big Al's picks have been on fire this season. Uh, just, you know, wait till all the sports gambling becomes legal. And if you listen to Living Water Boys, you might be able to quit your job. But Reverend and Big Al. tithe a lot more. <laughs> tithe a lot more, yes. Reverend Big Al, we've had some technical issues uh, and have not, you know, totally paid all our dues. And uh, a lot of the stuff from this fall has not posted. Uh, we've sorted that out. This episode will definitely be uh, online in your earbuds and your car stereos. But, um, yeah, not everything made it to the listeners uh, this season. Um, okay, well, this is, uh, this is pretty awkward. But do you still have takes? Because we have a big weekend ahead of us. Well, you know, sometimes the only thing to do is push forward. So let's hear it. Hey, Will the Thrill, we'll get your life update later. Glad to hear from you down in G Vegas, as always. The Reverend McBig Al is here in Raleigh, North Carolina. McBrien, what's first on our agenda this morning? Well, we can't ignore the bounty of games that we have coming up on Saturday. And if you're into some West Coast Pac-12 action Friday night as well with this college football championship weekend, what games do you have circled on your calendar? Obviously, you know, you have Georgia, Bama, 4 o'clock Saturday. Uh, but there's some other good games out there. Uh, what are you going to turn up for? Yeah, I would say I'm most excited for Georgia Bama. Interested to see if Georgia can put up the fight they did in last year's national championship game. Certainly Bama has looked strong throughout the season. Also real interested in the Red River rivalry renewed tomorrow at noon, big 12 title game with Oklahoma and Texas. Think those are the two marquee games of the weekend. Might pay attention to some of the Washington versus Utah game tonight, but uh, not as interested in either Clemson, Pitt, or Ohio State, Northwestern tomorrow night. What about the big AAC final? Talking about UCF Memphis, probably would have been a lot more interested before McKenzie Milton's horrific injury last weekend. Uh, certainly note that UCF is still favored, but um, really curious to see if his injury means an end to the winning streak for the Knights. Let's talk about the playoff and the final four that everybody is waiting on. Personally, I think you know that I'm a big conspiracy theorist. Uh, I think there's a whole lot of garbage going on. Uh, I want to know your take. You follow it more than I do. How much are the people on the committee aware of potential matchups that will be good for TV and good for fans? And how are they balancing that with actual merit? Great question. 
I certainly think that's true during the NCAA basketball tournament. Let's be honest. They're picking four teams. I think they are paying attention to who would make some money, who would be popular picks, but I don't think they're necessarily trying to line teams up to create good matchups because with only four teams, you're getting some of the best of the best. People are going to tune in no matter what to those, well, three games, two semifinals and one championship. I do think in a scenario where, you know, for example, both Georgia and Alabama make it, um, you know, for example, if Georgia were to win this weekend and both teams were to make the playoff, I think they would avoid having those two teams match up against one another uh, in the first game uh, and try to balance it out somewhat uh, otherwise. But, uh, you know, Alabama's a two-touchdown favorite against Georgia. It's certainly unlikely that that will happen anyway. Um, really, I, I don't think it's going to be a lot about which matchups they want to see on paper. Now, there might be something to be said for um, pressure from the different conferences. I certainly think having two Southeastern Conference teams in the playoff last year uh, is really getting on the nerves of other big conferences. So some of that might be a dynamic. You brought up a good point mentioning how the College Basketball Selection Committee does play, you know, with some history and some geography. I love that because the college basketball tournament is incredibly fair and logical. You have to win your conference, you get in it, you have a chance to win the championship. College football is not fair at all. Uh, I think this four team is just preposterous that uh, people can win their conferences, people can go undefeated, and not even have a chance to play for the best. Uh, that's made me a little jaded on college football this year. But listeners, I went to a UVA pit game with Reverend Big Allen fam. Uh, and remembered that there is still some love out there for college football in my heart. Uh, really enjoyed the Bojangles post-halftime. Well, and bowl season is upon us. I know you're always up for bowl projections. We're not focused on that today, but be excited that there is lots of news coming Sunday when these matchups are announced. Will the Smith family be going to El Paso? That's my UVA pick. Listen, my sources are telling me UVA is Charlotte bound for the Belk Bowl. Certainly great news for the Smith family. So time will tell. We're two days away. Time will tell. Uh, to, to sum up our college football discussion, can I get a prediction of your top Final Four? I've got one uh, that I am very confident about, but I would love to hear yours. Well, listen, I came on this very podcast unsure if this has actually been posted for anyone's listening ears or not, but I came on months ago and told you that it was done deal, that the four best teams were Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State. I still think those are the four best teams. I don't think they'll make it. I think the committee is going to let Notre Dame in. I think that's unfair. I don't think anyone who doesn't have to play a game this weekend because they didn't qualify for a conference championship, whether they're an independent or not, should be allowed to advance to the college football playoff. And that's looking at you, Notre Dame. Join a conference. Yeah, I get it. It's supposed to be the ACC. Doesn't matter. Join something. You can't just avoid playing and move up in the ranks. That doesn't fly with me. But assuming they'll get in, I think they'll take Georgia's place. I think it's going to be one, Alabama, two, Clemson, three, Notre Dame, four, Ohio State. I don't know if Oklahoma will lose to Texas or not. Do you think it'll be a closer game? I think at the end of the day, the committee will come up with some way 
some excuse to put Ohio State in after winning the Big Ten and not Oklahoma. I know that'll be a surprise. Um, I think the reality is they will say something along the lines of Ohio State has shown more skill on both sides of the ball. Effectively, Oklahoma's non-existent defense will make them eliminated from the playoff. Whether they lose to Texas or not, I think Ohio State gets in as the four seed. Well, that's Reverend Big Al's top four, Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State. That would make for some compelling semifinal Which, matchups with Bama, again, Ohio basically State. the same as I predicted months ago. I told you no point in watching this year. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, my final four differs quite a bit. Uh, coming in at the number one spot, I have Georgia. Watch out for the dogs. And then you got them beating the tide this weekend. Oh, yeah. Number one, Bulldogs. We love it. Um, Go Jake Fromm. Number two, I got Bama because you know there is some shady stuff happening between the committee and the SEC. Bama would definitely be number two if they lose. Um, not only two, two SEC teams in the top four, but two SEC teams in the top two. You think number it's going to be another 74-72 to 72 overtime thriller like we had between the Aggies and Tigers last weekend? That was amazing. Can I give a confession here? Um, maybe some, receive some pastoral counseling. I fell asleep in overtime number six. Um, oh, man. But, I stayed up for it. I was locked in. I was probably a little tired on Sunday morning, but that was uh, not fun to watch. It was just kind of an awkward kind of they kept scoring. I didn't get it. Yeah, I think they need uh, to back teams up to the 40 for overtime and not to 25. Interesting. Uh, I like the high school rules where you start at the 10. <sighs> So yeah, high school kickers, you know, they're not all, they're not all Falkier's finest. Yeah. Not all of them. So to recap, number one, Georgia, number two, Bama, number three, Clemson, number four, UCF golden Knights defending their national championship from last year. So I guess you're assuming UCF knocks off Memphis without McKenzie Milton this weekend. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think the committee is going to have to look, um, I would love to see the committee given a blind a resume for Notre Dame and UCF uh, and find reason to put UCF so far down uh, when you just look at, yes, Notre Dame has some better wins, but they also have some weak wins. They did not look impressive against USC at all. And this committee likes what's happened recently. Um, I think UCF have not lost in two years to not give them a chance to play for more uh, is just preposterous and a mockery of and their current linebackers so have two hands. Yeah, yeah, think of what more they can do now. So, man, I just I think it'd be great to see Georgia and UCF and Bama and Clemson uh, battle out to see who goes. Well, it would be remarkable. You could even call it the unluck of the Irish to leave Notre Dame out, but really can't argue with it. Hard to see where they've had many impressive victories this year. Oh, they're such garbage. But that's a topic for another podcast. Should we move on from college football? Yeah, why not? Enjoy the weekend. Tweet us your thoughts. Uh, let's go on to some really just some more fair, balanced competition, and that is the Tiger vs. Phil golf pay-per-view from Black mono Friday. Mono a mono. Did either of you guys uh, follow this or get a chance to look at it? I followed along through the internet, did not pay for it, did not feel like it was worth the money to see two guys who are well past their prime, chunking it around the golf course. If I wanted to do that, I would call my friends and ask to play a round of 18. Well, I was locked in. Will, did you get? Did you catch any of this? Uh, no, 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 no. I just waited to, to hear the results on Twitter, I think. So you guys weren't pumped? Like, I, I would have had major FOMO if 
if this was going on and I wasn't in front of the TV? Am I a sucker? I would have had major FOMO about going to CC's four times with that 20 bucks that I saved. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Um, hey, we got, we got, we're going to talk about some restaurants in a little bit. Uh, but for those of you who did not watch this golf pay-per-view, so Tiger and Phil are mic'd up <coughs> the whole time. The commentary was ridiculous. You had Charles Barkley. You had Ben Stiller. Uh, just ridiculous stuff. At the beginning of golf tournament, if you're not familiar, usually some boring person announces uh, who is about to tee off, where they're from, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but for this, we had Samuel L. Jackson. Advantage Tiger, uh, am I right? Yeah, I was just waiting to hear him warn about snakes in the rough on hole number three, uh, but he did not take it in that direction. Uh, so they were mic'd up. Did he do it in his uh, Mace Windu character, or is there not a lot of Star Wars overlap with? Oh, I don't um, think he was even in character there. That's just him. All right, nice. That's real Samuel L. Um, here, I'm going to go on the record. I want Stephen A. Smith instead of Samuel L. Jackson. Um, I want him announcing. That guy is one of my new heroes. Do you think he'd say, now teeing off Tiger Woods? I don't care. Good luck. Yeah, I would love it. I would pay extra for the pay-per-view next year if Stephen A is on it. So to to give you a little glimpse of it, though, they're mic'd up, and I'm pumped. I want to hear Tiger cursing. I want to hear Phil shots under his breath. But they tee off, and they're walking down the fairway on hole number one saying, oh, how are your kids doing? Oh, it was great. I saw my son smiling. Um, and I, I didn't pay the pay-per-view for small talk. Uh, they did not – they separated more on the back nine, uh, but they were not as edgy. And Tiger knew he was mic'd up. Instead of cussing without mercy on a bad shot, he would say something along the lines of not good or bad. And it, 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 come on, just be yourself, Tiger. Yeah, certainly sounds like he was more focused on his language than his golf shots. Would have loved to see Phil with some jabs like – Hey, Tiger, heard there were some good specials coming up at Perkins this holiday season. Have you been back to check out the menu? <laughs> That's Let's what people wanted. Right? See? Or Tiger saying, hey, Bill, I know we're betting on this match. Did you put any insider tips online? <clears throat> right? Kind of get at each other's, you know, checkered past. That, that would have been ideal. Uh, so it was just interesting to think these guys are doing their jobs. They're mic'd up. People are watching their every step. They're doing all these analytics for everything they're doing. Um, Reverend Big Al and I, as ministers, were thinking, what would the equivalent of that look like in our profession? Um, did you have any insights or revelations as to how this might? Well, listen, I know often on Sundays, some of our staff, uh, maybe whoever's preaching, will wear a wireless mic during the service, not just use the microphone from the pulpit. And I am always nervous that I, when I'm wearing said microphone, will be picked up throughout the sanctuary at random times, right? So uh, is it that I will have an impromptu and unadvertised solo during one of the hymns because they broadcast my singing over the microphone by forgetting to turn the microphone down 
Um, or sometimes it's before the service, before we've assessed in when people are just milling around and they haven't turned the microphone down. And, you know, people are asking me about the football game results from the day before. But every one of the things where here's my thoughts because it is pumped through the audio system. The point is I'm often mic'd up every Sunday. It just depends on which comments get shared. Now, what I think would be compelling and what I wonder, pay-per-view style, would you pay? to hear those comments by ministers during the hour of worship. Would you love to get that commentary in between pieces of the worship service? Oh, I'd up my tithe 1%, yeah. Well, that's 2 or $3. Can't wait to get to the full $19.99 <laughs> to cover it. I mean, Brian has laid his cards on the table. We'll see if anybody else follows. So as you were talking, I can kind of empathize a little with Tiger and Phil, because like you, uh, I, I'm wearing a mic sometimes and I'm aware, even though I know it's off, um, of kind of filtering myself a little, um, you mentioned leading hymns. Uh, I'm doing two of those on Sunday and you know, at 10:59, I'm sending a text to the sound board up top to ensure that it's muted, uh, during those two hymns. But, uh, you know, something that caught my eye was, I was kind of impressed with the Bleacher Report's analytics. They had pretty good shot tracers, uh, and they had lots of distances and percentages uh, for gambling on each hole. And I thought, if there was this pay-per-view uh, that chronicled a Sunday morning service, what type of analytics would there be? Uh, now, the first one that comes to mind uh, coming up, the first Sunday of Advent is the the month, which means for a lot of people that communion is definitely happening. Uh, I would love to see some kind of traced analytics on breaking the communion bread equally. Uh, I am leading communion on Sunday, and uh, I've been known to do about a 10-90 split on the communion bread, which is pretty embarrassing. Uh, I'm going a little more towards 50-50, so I'd love to see some analytics on that. Um, I don't know. Part of me thinks that's appropriate, right? One son of God, the entire world. Maybe 1090 is not quite going as lopsided enough. Am I right? Uh, that's a thought that I had not entertained. Um, what do you aim for on the bread break? Uh, I think, really, I'm just looking for a clean break, not as worried about the percentage, more worried about the crumbs and the spillage and the image of the body of Christ being all over the carpet. <laughs> well. I, for one, will always aim for 50-50. It's a great feeling when you hit it hard. It's like when you strike a drive on the golf course uh, right where you need to. Do you get it pre-sliced so that you have a better chance of getting 50-50, or do you just trust yourself in the moment? I don't pre-slice it. That's cheating. Well, not saying it's past people like Tiger and Phil. Foot wedge. True. What other uh, analytics can might be – cool to see on this pay-per-view. Well, certainly there's a ratio similar to how you would measure assists and turnovers in basketball. There's the ratio of amens and praise Jesus's to help him, Lord, help him, you know, where people think the preacher actually needs help because it's not going well. And you always want at least at a minimum, a two to one ratio of amen slash praise Jesus's to help him, Lord's can't always achieve that, but certainly something to shoot for. I do know uh, Will the Thrill has probably spent some time up in the sound booth uh, during worship. When you do that, does that ever entail 
moving the slides for the songs or do you guys not do that? Do no, we don't do that as much, but uh, all I have to say about a previous conversation, you don't need to trust your sound guys a little more uh, and gals. I, I mean, geez, cut us a little slack. Ooh, well, ch- we all can't, we all can't have the best producers in the business. Will. well, no, you can't. I guess that you're right. I do we think do that. having us mic'd up would allow for the commentary that goes on between the ministers. I mean, just this past Sunday, uh, at our church, the offering plate fell loudly as it was passed through the youth row, to which I turned to our guest preacher and said, well, the good news is, at least we know there wasn't any money in it. Badoom. That's right. Now, the unfortunate part about that is everyone did hear it, because when he got up to preach, he immediately told that story and mentioned my comment to the congregation. I was a little bit embarrassed, assuming that it would not be shared. So maybe the idea of being mic'd up would you know, would censor me slightly in my commentary. Now we do live stream at our church and I think the whole mic'd up thing would work perfectly for live stream. And I think we would bring a whole new audience and we could probably start charging for it. This actually reminds me when I was a senior in high school, it was October of the year 2000 and I was at a student council convention in Charleston, South Carolina, and our school was running for some sort of state student council position and we had to do some sort of skit so naturally some other people wanted to be the hot shots and they were running a magic show throughout the skit and so i was just uh one of the volunteers for the magic show uh my head was in a box and we did the magic which made it appear as if my head got chopped off during the show all well and good until they gave me a microphone because i was supposed to ask questions or scream or do something so then I just started making sarcastic comments about how lame the magic was during our skit, which I was told actually was the difference in our school winning the election because we became the most entertaining with the sarcastic, not bought in participant of the magic show, arguing that the guy doing all the magic was really just uh, not funny. So, you know, it turns out that mic'd up commentary on something like live stream could work out in our favor because who doesn't love some good old fashioned sarcasm? Because why in the world do we take anything that seriously? Exactly. Hey, man. Hey, Will, you mentioned live streaming um, at the church I was at before the one I am now. Loved it. Loved the people there. I think we got some loyal listeners uh, who are still there. But I will note on the live stream, at least when I was there, so when I would preach, my sister would go listen to the sermons later in the week, and she would send me screenshots of the ad overlays. And there were ad overlays on the church service live stream about kind of like a Russian bride finding service. Um, I kid you not, some amazing ads. And she was like, hey, this is a great uh, sermon on John 21 and the breakfast uh, at, at Galilee where Jesus comes, but it's hard to focus uh, with all these an Eastern European wife. Well, all I can say about that is you get what you pay for. So careful what shows up. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that is. You also get what you order. Am I right? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we. We used to get some interesting ads for certain enhancement products and, and things of that nature, but then we started paying for ad-free, which is like, do you mean like large print Bibles instead of regular print Bibles? 
Exactly. Yeah, that's what everybody's going for. To enlarge the print in the Bible. Yeah, or now with extra commentary. Yes. <laughs> Helpful. Let's, let's shift gears a little. Uh, <laughs> I'm already thinking about lunch, and let mm. me tell you what is really exciting to me. Uh, just a, a handful of blocks from where I'm recording right now, there is soon to open a Taco Bell cantina. Are you guys aware of what this is and what that entails? No, Brian, please explain. No clue. Yeah, no. no. So basically, another language that indicates it's uh, but it's a higher end Taco Bell. So they're going to, they have an ABC license. They're going to serve alcohol. There are rumors of a Baja Blast margarita mm-hmm. amongst some other cervezas. And some higher-end food, like a little more Chipotle-esque. Um, personally, I still hope they have the grande meal. That's all I need. The quality's good enough for me. Give me that grade C. So it's I'm opening. guessing I... the Taco Bell Cantina would be the exclusive home of the Baja Blast uh, yeah. margarita. That is big news. It's huge news. Uh, I'm definitely going to be there investigating it for you guys and for all our loyal listeners. Uh, but I have... I'm aware that Taco Bell does this. I've heard of it. Uh, but if you guys, I'm curious, have you ever been to any upscale fast food? I do remember a uh, fancier Pizza Hut location when I used to live in Richmond. Um, never went there because I really couldn't understand the concept. But I did drive by, I believe it was called Pizza Hut Italian Bistro, and appeared to serve more than just pizza. Again, did not make any sense to me, and I prefer Little Caesars. Uh, McDonald's uh, in Asheville, Biltmore Village or whatever, right outside the Biltmore house, there was an upscale McDonald's where they would serve. They had servers there and would bring you your drinks and such as that. So the food was still kind of garbage, but the service was nice. Impossible. Yeah, disagree. Yeah. Now, is that a McDonald's that does their new MTO burgers made to order at McDonald's? Those would be considered higher end as well, don't you think? To an extent. I think the it's higher end in terms of selection, but in terms of you know, quality of the interior and the restaurant and all that, they're, they're essentially the same. I will say that McDonald's has really improved their app ordering. Uh, just as a, a testimony, I want to share maybe – four or so times in the last couple months, I have done basically one of my favorite things to do uh, most recently with loyal listener Mike on Monday at the Wiz Rockets game. But we go do the made to order online on the McDonald's app, pocket the fries, pocket the burger, walk into Capital seat joy, the forbidden. Brian, Brian, you're breaking up there. Taken in from the aisle. Uh, so the technology is allowing this stuff to happen. We can skip the line, grab our food, pocket it, go right into the stadium. Brian, why don't you repeat what you just said? You broke up there a little bit. <laughs> yeah, technology did not allow you to speak your mind. Uh, it happens. Uh, essentially, just communicating that uh, McDonald's app has improved a ton in the last couple of years. The deals are incredible. You can often get free large fries. Uh, and I've gotten into a great routine of ordering through the app. Uh, before I go to Capital One Arena, I did this most recently with loyal listener Mike on Monday. Uh, for $1, you can pocket uh, a cheeseburger and a large fries. 
pocket them and take them right into the stadium. It's mm. glorious. So we need more apps uh, and more cantina style thinking. So do you think the food at the cantina will be improved or do you think it is just a fancier atmosphere and a higher price? I think the food's going to be improved. The quality will be higher because they're going to need that to make people come in a ritzy area like this. Well, certainly be interesting. Actually reminds me of Payless Shoes in California. You mean Paylessy? Paylessy. I have heard of such a phenomenon. Why don't you tell everybody about what happened? So, hmm. Well, why don't you tell everybody about what happened? From what I can gather is that Payless Shoes... Oh, and they had their $20 and $40 shoes that they sold for prices like in the 400s and the 600s, and people actually bought them. Are you guys familiar with the term influencer? Yeah. Yes, I am. But before we go on, let me... Let me explain. We missed a little the front part of your explanation. Uh, where? Go ahead. So basically, Payless opened up this fake boutique called Paylessy. Yeah. Products and charged a ton for them. And and people actually like bought into it and uh, and it was and which I think absolutely nuts. Alan, do you have any thoughts on uh, Paylessy shoes? I just can't believe it worked. I think it's a statement of our country and the intelligence of our people. I think it's hilarious. And I just wonder, what kinds of products are people just slapping a new label on and getting 10 or even 15 times the profit just because of the name on the product? I think it's hilarious. I think Taco Bell's doing the same thing with the Cantina. And I just can't wait to see who else falls for this stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that, that sites such as Craigslist and eBay were built on this, you know, of faking people out. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure what's sold on eBay is legitimate. But regardless, I'm going to keep getting my Velcro sneakers at Walmart, but claiming they are... Um, Honest to God, genuine Palessi shoes. Palessi shoes, nice. So, you know, hat tip to Payless for learning how to take advantage of their surrounding market. I guess it really is you get what you pay for, Well, right? The higher yeah. the price, the more demand people might have for it. It's remarkable. It is. <laughs> it kind of reminds me, it's an interesting juxtaposition with the wedding in Cana where people accuse Jesus of putting out the good wine second I wonder if people will realize that it's those same old Payless shoes just put out with a higher price and the people fooled. Who knows? Maybe it's a modern day miracle by the risen Lord. Mm. Amen. Hey, does Payless sell dress shoes? Palessi does. I have no doubt. Are you in the market? Well, Well, I'm in the market for Wi-Fi. That being said, 
it is the start of Advent this season, and we are excited. I'm sure I know all churches are at Greystone. We plan to do something called a <clears throat> hanging of the greens service Sunday evening. Should be a little bit of a different twist on things. We did one last year. Not sure if either of you are familiar with that. It is basically a service where the church is decorated. You hang the wreaths, you hang the chrismons on the trees, you hang the evergreen, etc. You also explain to the congregation why it is that these elements of the Advent season are important, what they represent as the Christmas day approaches, as, the, uh, as we eagerly await the birth of the Christ child. I am again asked to write down the meaning of the poinsettias. First question, pronunciation help. Is it poinsettia or poinsettia? There is an I. I keep saying poinsettia, and people are correcting me. I'm a little bit offended. What say you? I say me, poinsettia. Seems right. Regardless, I'm supposed to come up with the meaning of the poinsettias for our service this weekend. Did the same thing last year. Found some story on Google about a Mexican girl who put dead flowers on the altar on Christmas Eve, and then they bloomed with red petals. And so that became a tradition. Apparently, those were poinsettias. And here it goes. Anyway, point is, I guess I will have to look up said example again. Who knows? I just cannot figure out how this is helpful during the Christmas season, but maybe I just haven't found the right meaning of the poinsettias online. So, loyal li listeners, if you know anything about the meaning of poinsettias, please hit us up on Twitter or an email as soon as possible. The service is in two days. I will be researching this afternoon. Again, you can always find us on Twitter at Living Waterboys or email us, livingwaterboys at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. In lieu of that, I'll be seeing what the Mexican girls say about poinsettias. Yet again, we do know they're created by some sort of farmer, uh, I believe Joel Poinsett from South Carolina. Lots of connections to the Greenville area. But yeah, other than them being, I think we should just be honest. They're red, and that's the color of Christmas, and that's why they fit in. I don't know why we feel the need to retrofit some explanation. They look good in the sanctuary. About how we've decorated the sanctuary. They look good. I, I think that's what we should just stick with. They look good, and everybody likes them. But I will tell you this, FBCG, here down here in, in G Vegas, um, has this tradition that was started a few years back. Maybe they've been doing it longer. I can't remember. But this awkward time where someone, some lucky member of the, the, the studio audience, as they say, gets to hang the final banner uh, depicting, you know, joy, love, peace, hope. And uh, they get to do it in front of five or 600 of their closest friends. And it always takes 10 minutes too long. And it, it's just an interesting time. Things have been dropped before on people's heads. It's, it's an interesting. It's an interesting tradition well, that I've if we've learned about. anything this morning, I think we've learned that that process, that experience, that piece of worship, would only be improved by having a microphone and commentary during the hanging of the banner. Oh, so, great. yeah. So I think we know where we're going. Hey, well, the thrill. Let's get a life update real quick. How many hours did you work last weekend? Last weekend, I worked. 18 hours. Thanks for sharing. Good to hear from y'all. This has been the Living Water Boys, and we'll catch y'all next weekend. Good afternoon. Baby, come back.
Yeah. <laughs>